Welcome to Inside Legion, the podcast that takes place inside David Holler's mind. I'm Alex. I'm Justin. And we are talking about Chapter 23 of Legion. This is when it's heating up. Chapter 23, the number 23, the Jim Carrey movie. Two plus three equals five. Five is halfway to ten. Ten is the number of decimation. Oh, wow. Yeah, I got there eventually. Took a little while. So we're going to be talking about the latest uh, episode of Legion, maybe the scariest episode of Legion ever, I would throw out there. I mean, I, they've done a great job in this show of making the episode scary. So yeah. uh, it's hard to say, but this one did a great job of uh, t- coming at us out of nowhere with something that was freaky. Yeah, I legitimately jumped at one point while I was watching this episode. Like, that's... yeah how scared I was of the time demons and everything. And, and if you look at them, I mean, we'll talk about this more as we get into it, but the design of them is not necessarily scary, but the way that it was executed was terrifying. Uh, yeah, and the use of stillness versus action in this episode, yeah. just all of the the filmmaking um, choices that uh, Noah Hawley and everybody on his team are making are, are so interesting. They add so much to this show, and it combines to make a scary, satisfying, funny experience just across the board. It's so impressive. Yeah. So let's get into the recap before we get into the episode proper. Uh, so David Holler is the most powerful mutant alive at the end of the last season. He had betrayed all of his friends, specifically his ex-girlfriend, now ex-girlfriend Sid, uh, who he made forget all the bad things he did, then slept with her, essentially raping her. Uh, he was put on trial for that, escaped with Lenny, his best friend, whose body is made out of his sister's body, and they started a cult, as one does. Uh, the yeah. cult is made up of groupies who worship David, essentially suck up and smoke his brain juice all day long. Uh, and Smoking the brain juice. Yeah, through a pig, no less. Smoking the brain juice, through a pig. Big teats. The and ultimate Lenny, high. Lenny is a second command, but Lenny's been a little stressed lately because David has been looking for a way to jump through time. Uh, he found it through a new character called Switch. Switch has a couple of different powers, but the most pertinent power is she can access a hallway that can take her back in time to various periods. Uh, last episode, we got to see... Uh, what David's goal was. David's goal specifically was to jump back to the time period where his parents first had him as a baby. Back when he was a baby, his mind was invaded by a psychic entity called Amal Farouk, the Shadow King, who had died or essentially died in battle with his father, Charles Xavier, and as vengeance took over the baby body of David. Um, David then grew up his entire life with Amal Farouk in his brain, and he is looking to stop that in order to fix himself in order to make the what he says is the world better, but really make it better for him more than anything yeah. else. Uh, and he's been using Switch to do that, to try to change time. Uh, it didn't quite work the last episode when he went back. Uh, they only showed up as ghosts, essentially, back in time. We had a sort of a haunted house story going on. And when they came back, Switch was pretty destroyed by the whole experience. Losing teeth. Yeah, losing teeth. Uh, she said she couldn't access that time anymore. She was completely exhausted, but David was freaking out and just wanted to go back and try to stop it again. Uh, now, meanwhile, there's Division 3, which includes Sid, uh, also includes... Oh, since Pete's here, we can't do our carrier carry bit. 
Yeah, but it's still real. Yeah, it's still real. It's still uh, not something we just say and he believes. Right. So there's Carrie and there's Carrie. Uh, Carrie is with Division Three. She's super strong. There's Carrie, who is with David's group. He's been brainwashed by David to be his tech guy and work with him in order to amp up Switch's powers. Uh, also in Division Three is Clark, who's a human, except he's a little crispy. He got burned a little bit. Yeah. Uh, there's also Amal Farouk has been teaming up with them, which has been an interesting dynamic. Tonomy, who used to be able to travel to people's memories, is now a living computer leading an army of mustached drones. He, too, has a mustache. Yes. Uh, and he is piloting their dirigible that goes all over the place. Um, other thing that you should probably know that's pretty important for this episode is a bit of Sid's backstory that we learned last season. Sid has the power to change her body, uh, transfer her mind into somebody else's body, essentially switch bodies with somebody. And she did that with her mother when her mother's boyfriend was over and taking a shower when she was just a little kid, I believe about like 13 or 14. Yes. Uh, and went into the shower just because she was very curious and ended up having sex with him. Yeah. We find out a lot more about that this episode. Uh, which we'll get to in a moment. Uh, but that was clearly a very formative experience for her. And it wasn't a great experience uh, because also the boyfriend got arrested and carted away as a sex offender because she switched back in the middle of that uh, with her mother and her mother discovered it. Yeah. So. Not ideal. Not ideal at all. Uh, that's probably the basics that you need to know. For I this episode. think that's about it. So let's jump into the plot because lots of stuff goes down this episode. So there's, uh, we started with, uh, Tanami and, uh, Carrie. Um, yep. you know who I'm talking of about, course. obviously. Um, no explanation necessary. No explanation necessary. Um, she has a sword. Um, if there's a little explanation necessary, <laughs> um, and, uh, with a great line, the narrative is being corrupted. Yes. Um, which I thought was really cool as a comment on the show. Um, uh, and there's another moment later in the show that we should definitely talk about that um, sort of points to the idea that they're being a little bit meta with this season, sort of yeah. saying, like, this is a show, this is a narrative, and time is being fractured on the show, and it's also affecting your viewing of the show. Yes. Which I love that shit. Yeah. Um, so uh, Carrie is lamenting the fact that they're not having any fun anymore, that everybody's being super serious on their dirigible. Uh, when did they grow up? Why aren't they kids anymore? I don't know that they necessarily ever really had fun on the show, but I do get her point. And it was interesting to hear that, yeah. hear her say that out loud, because, uh, yeah, everybody has been super serious and driven this season. Even when we've had fun moments like... Uh, squirrel being grabbed by the hook in the first episode. Those are kind of few and far between. Everybody is very amped up to 11 because we're about to deal with the end of the world and we're definitely rocketing towards the end here. So again, I think that was an interesting point for her to throw out there. Yeah, no, it's that's it's super accurate. Um, but there's still moments of fun here in the way the for show sure. is presented, uh, which I love. Uh, time's being fractured um, uh, across the board. Everything's glitching. Then we jump to uh, Lenny with the pregnant woman. Um, yes. Which uh, was sort of a wild little side story happening here. They have a nice conversation about how they're going to leave, make a run for it, uh, raise this child. Now, uh, uh, let me let's uh, let me ask you a question about that, because uh, there's a thing that the girl says to Lenny. Uh, she says it's going to be a girl, and Lenny says, how do you know? And she says, well, when two girls get together, you make a girl. That's just science, Yeah, which is a cute line. It definitely made me stop for a second because we're on a show where so many fantastic things happen. 
I don't think Lenny and this girl made a baby together, right? I think David has been having sex with all of his groupies. Yeah, and I think um, Lenny references that, like, yeah, we all want to fuck you um, later on in this episode. And it makes me think, yes, he is having sex with a lot of these women. They're all, he's changed their brains to be completely devoted to to him and is... uh, Potentially just filling the gap that Sid has left. Uh, yeah, because... which is super fucked up super when you think up. about it. Yeah. The fact that like he changed Sid's brain chemistry to make her okay with sleeping with him. He was told that is the most horrible thing you could have done. You are wrong. And his reaction was to do that to dozens of more women is yeah. horrifying. Yeah, I mean, you could... Uh, it does feel like it's less like specific... Um, in the way that sure. Sid, this is much more they're addicted to him because of the drug aspect, I think. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, well, I, I, do, I do think it's a different, um, he, because I don't think, he's not repeating the same thing. Yeah. Um, because he wouldn't do that because that's the main, the huge scar on his life right uh, now. Sure. I, I understand what you're saying, but I think like there is this disconnect and in particular in this episode where David is still ostensibly doing heroic things like he's fighting these time demons later on in the episode. He seems like he's trying to save time and unfracture time and do the right thing. He talks about how he's going to take them all down. But at the same time, he's keeping these women as slaves. He is causing the destruction of the entire universe. He's the villain here. Like you look at Dan Stevens and he is a handsome man who looks like a superhero. He's not. Yeah. And I love that because it's, a story about a villain who thinks he's a hero. Like, we, it's the, sort of a, a cliche that it's like, well, the villain is just uh, the hero of a story. Um, the villain thinks he's the hero, he or she's the hero of their own story, despite the fact that they are the bad guy. And I think this is an example of we get to actually be inside his head and right behind someone who is acting like a hero, but if you look, just peel back the simplest layer, he is a villain through and through. Absolutely. Uh, now, we get this fun sequence as Lenny and the girl are lying there where uh, Switch and David fall out of the sky, fall out of one of the doors, and the camera keeps going around, and they do this over and over. Yeah. Um, I felt like they did this practically, right? Like yeah, They kept just so. falling down yeah. over and over. Uh, that's great. They eventually break out of the loop. They realize something's wrong with time. Switch is uh, gushing blood from her mouth at this point. Yeah. Uh, and so he, it, to me, it shows that the the way he destroys the world is chasing his like mommy issues. Yes, um, and he created him going back in time has created all of these problems. And maybe what I took a little bit from last episode, a little this episode was that maybe gave the Shadow King the uh, entryway into Baby David is older David going back in time. Interesting. Yeah, um, so I, I definitely think that's possible. I feel like everything's looping a little bit, and David is creating his own problems, which I think thematically plays back on all the Sid stuff. Like, David Holler is so powerful, and he just keeps tripping himself up and m- making the wrong choices. Well, we talked about this a bit with the Xavier Gabriel Holler episode as well, where I felt like he caused this. Like, yeah. he, his presence with Switch in that house was the thing that gave an entrance for Mal Farouk. Yeah. Otherwise, it would have stopped it. Yeah. So I, I agree with you. I think this is a total loop that we're seeing here. Uh, but then they all get together, and the cult gets together and talks about it. Lenny is freaked out. She wants to get out of here as quickly as possible. Uh, but David wants to find out what's going on. And Switch explains 
that, yeah, when you travel back in time, there's a bunch of time demons. There's a very funny line where it's like, next time, if there's time demons, please let me know. Yeah. Uh, she calls them the blue cats. Uh, they're right. time eaters. Reminded me of the Langoliers, which she talked about in the past. Uh, one question before we get to that. Why does he... We keep getting allusions to Charlie Brown. Yeah. Why does he consider himself Charlie Brown? Um, Because the football keeps getting pulled away from him, right? Uh, maybe, maybe it, it's. I feel like it goes beyond that uh, because maybe it's just like a main character. Charlie Brown is a main character of the Peanut Strips, and he's like super depressed, and there's no real reason why he's the main character. Uh, yeah. If that makes sense, like he's just a regular dude. Like I don't know why he keeps self-identifying as Charlie Brown because um, it doesn't seem he's he's so selfish. I guess Charlie Brown is himself self-obsessed and self-indulgent. He's always thinking about his own problems and doesn't seem to be ostensibly able to, able to solve his exterior problems. But the whole thing feels... It, there have been so many references. It feels so weird. Well, you spend, you've done Charlie Brown shows. you spent a lot yeah. more time with Charlie Brown than I have. That's what I'm saying. Maybe is, that's Is there up. anything... Charlie Brown, to me, I, I don't know it as well. I think of the specials and everything. He seems like a nice guy to me. Like, he seems like he is earnest. He means the best. Even if he is depressed. He is, but he just is always taking the... He makes mistakes all the time. He doesn't understand the world around him, and everyone's always shitting on him. Okay. So it makes a little bit... And I'm speaking specifically about the Charlie Brown Christmas special, um, which is devastating if you haven't watched that yeah. in years. It's so sad the way they treat him, and maybe that's what he's identifying with. It's like, the world's dumping on me. Yeah. That kind of a thing. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I don't know. Uh so uh, she does. She reveals everything about the time demons, about the blue cats who live in time uh, and eat time, and it seems like they've escaped, uh, which is bad news for everybody. They're in there everywhere. They're on the dirigible. Um, uh, right before this, they it sort of emerges, and the only way they stop it is Amal Farouk walks in, slices its arm off. Um, the time demons remind me of Proteus from the Marvel comics a little bit. Uh, okay, which I. You After watching that the episode, character, I do. Well, it's interesting. Yeah, I don't think it is Proteus, but it reminded me of that. Uh, I think they're just time cats. There yeah. was. I think they're just time cats. Yeah, I think they're just time cats. Uh, there was last season. There were the uh, ideas that crawled out, and there was that whole episode where Division Three was under attack by the ideas that led to this big monster fight at the end with like the goopy black bird thing. Yes. Yeah. Uh, this structurally, this episode reminded me of that a little bit. But I like this better. Like I was, yeah. I was not in love with the end result of the ideas thing coming out of the eggs. The way that that was executed uh, last season, this was very scary. This was very well done. This was the uh, time demons, blue cats, whatever you want to call them, were absolutely terrifying. The way that they attacked, and as you mentioned, just visually having them jump through space. Yeah. It's it's a similar idea to the way that they have, say, Samara in the ring or something like that, where it's like, oh, they're over here and then they're over here. But there's usually some sort of connective fiber with it. They yeah. got rid of the connective fiber. That's some reason that makes it even more terrifying. Yeah, no, it's so well done. And these villains uh, really feel like comic book villains. Like yeah. the time demons, it's like, this is a thing that you would see in an X-Men comic. And it's a way that they're going to be able to put David on the same page as Department Three or Division Three, uh, because they're both now aligned with needing to defeat these time demons. You don't think they're done after this episode? I think they're done. What done with, with the, the time demons? 
they're over? I yeah, don't I think so. Think I think so. it was like a one episode thing. Because, really? Yeah, this is jumping ahead to the end, but uh, David takes care of them. Like he's like, no, if you come back, I'm gonna burn you guys, and I oh. think they're done. Interesting. I definitely thought they would be back for more, but maybe I guess we'll I don't see. No, this season has been rocketing through things so quickly. Yeah, like they set up that Carrie, not Carrie, was going to build a machine to make Switch more powerful, and then by the beginning of the next episode, they were already traveling through time. Yeah, uh, and then this episode, we thought there was going to be this slow build with whatever was the demon in the hallway, and nope, they're all out. And then I think they're done with it. Like I think if anything, the move here is. David takes care of them. They're scared of him now. Now he can freely travel through time and totally fuck it up and change things. Uh, could be. Though I also think this episode just made him now he's going to go right at Division 3. He's about to just yeah. destroy them. But I, I thought I'd, it wasn't clear to me that they, they were over with. But I guess we'll see. Well, regardless, we get three trains running at the same time. We get David battling the time demons first in his house. Uh, then they take him back in time, back to when Gabriel Holler was in a concentration camp, I believe. Yeah. Um, they haven't been very specific with what war she was in, but at least in the comics, she was in a concentration camp in World War II. That's mm-hmm. where she was held. Uh, so that certainly seems to be there. He realizes it's his mommy. He talks to her. He begs her. You're going to have a baby. You're going to name him David. Keep him safe. Keep your baby safe. Keep me safe. Uh, and there's this great reveal where there's been two prisoners in the cell with him the entire time, and they stand up and they're smiling, and it turns out they're time demons. So good, uh, so scary. Fantastically done. Uh, and then they end up in this null space where he battles them, and he keeps running at them. I think maybe this is where the Charlie Brown thing comes in, right? This was definitely the kick in the football moment. Yeah. So he keeps running at them, and they keep zapping him back to the original place, so he keeps doing it over and over again. And they're eating time from him, as he he says, like, go ahead, eat all you want, I will kill you. And he eventually cracks it and does, uh, burns him up, goes after them, and he... We can, we'll get to this in a little bit, but at the same time, he's destroying the time demons, he's also eliminating them, uh, in the other two battlefronts, and he actually saves uh, Sid and the other Division Three yeah. members by killing the Time Demons there, and then declares war on Division Three itself. Right. So he once again his even his good moves, his heroic move to kill the Time Demons is setting up another problem for himself, totally. which I thought was was cool. Yeah. So uh, while he's doing that, why don't we talk about the Division Three stuff? Amal Farouk uh, decides, okay, we're going to take care of the time demons. I know what's going on here. We need to go to the time between time. So he grabs, uh, who does he grab? He grabs Carrie and he grabs Clark, right? Yep. Uh, and they head to this place that's basically like slides. Yeah, it's a super bleak landscape, and it's all it felt like a silent, like a Buster Keaton silent film meets uh, David Lynch Twin Peaks uh, thing, and they just like are in this weird landscape. There's a couple fun bits where they find an animal and they eat it, and Clark's like not interested, uh, and then they fight these time demons and uh, are losing right until uh, David makes his move. Yeah. Uh, and then the third thing that's happening... Uh, one other thing that we didn't cover you before... You want to talk about... Oh, go ahead. Uh, ...was uh, Carrie uh, realizes that... Um, Ooh, he, right. He's been uh, affected by David Holler um, and... Uh, well, specifically because of the time demons. The time they demons reveal. the part where he was brainwashed. He realizes it. 
and he proceeds to try to escape from the house. He finds the uh, smoking uh, drug pig um, and is like, whoa. Uh, <laughs> Then um, Biller, and uh, I know we talk about this almost every episode of the podcast. He is so amazing on the show. All of his takes and everything so is good. so funny. When he's like, uh, and they did this practically as well. When he's the, he keeps glitching and he's like making different devices in his with his hands and stuff. I thought that was really well done. We didn't talk about this either. There was an episode of the Shield, right? Uh, as soon as the time demon's attack, it goes to commercial. It comes back. I thought something was wrong with my episode. A hundred percent. And yeah. I, I was like, oh, that's weird. But then I was like, The Shield, that's Michael Chiklis. Like, that's something that I know is, an, is a show that is on FX. Right. But it hasn't been on, like, there's no way it would be, like, clickable next to, Lee, or, like, it wasn't an accident. Right. And then when they, I was just, I thought that was so cool. They just, like, slid it in, you slide out of it, never referenced, great. Yeah. I... I wanted there to be something a little more thematic with the episode, but I, I've full disclosure, I've never watched The Shield. Well, it, what he's saying, I mean, either, but he's saying like, no more Mr. Nice Guy, basically. Yeah. Which I thought yeah, was okay. cool. All right, I guess I can say this that. Is, that's where we land with David at the end of the episode. I also thought watching this, I was like, man, Michael Chiklis was the perfect Ben Grimm. He was. He was very good. And it, we wasted him. Yes. On the bad him and Chris fantastic. Evans as Johnny Storm were two good parts so of that good. movie. I know. Uh, I read an interview. Uh, one of the reasons I'm glad we taped this after the episode aired, but I read a quick interview with Noah Hawley about this. And he said the reason for doing the S.H.I.E.L.D. thing was he wanted to give the viewer the experience of time traveling. Yeah. No, and it's... It, it works. works. It's so jarring. It's unsettling. Like, what yeah. am I? Am I? And it's going back to the beginning of FX. That was the first big FX show. Yeah. So it makes a lot of sense to pick that. Uh, I understand. I think you're right about the thematic thing. So I'll definitely walk that back. Thank uh, you for walking no that problem. back finally. No problem. Puts you back in your place, uh, just like Michael Chiklis does with that yeah. crook on the shield. And there is a glitch in yeah. that scene as well. Yeah. So, yeah, that's fascinating. I, would it have made more sense, though, to do like the first episode of Legion? No, but that's still, it's not unsettling enough. That feels like you would buy that that was an in-show thing. I think right. they needed to go beyond the show to be like, look, this is a mistake that you would challenge. Right. Like, And I love that about this show. It's taking, it's a storytelling risk because it's purposefully taking the viewer out of the show. There may be viewers that were watching that online, say, and they're like, what's wrong with this? And they just wander off and never come back to the show. Right. But it made for just... Uh, more, it was like a experiential, exactly uh, television show. Ooh. And I'll tell you what, that's like uh, the future, man. It, uh, you know, I, f I almost felt like I could smell it. Oh, yeah, that, yeah. and that's the big thing. What I want to do when I watch TV is smell the shit that's going on. Yeah, you know? totally. I want to be right there smelling. The if I could live in a 4D theater, yeah, I'd be so happy. No, I want when I watch an episode of Oz, I want to smell the prison. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Carnival. Oh, yeah, great. I want to smell the circus. Yeah. Uh, when this is us, I want to smell how sad it is. <laughs> I want to smell it all. Yeah. Oh, if I could smell Sterling K. Brown, I would die Ooh. happy. Yeah. 
Actually, I bet he does smell very good. Oh, great. Great. So man. back to Legion, I so think is the that's show what we're, we're talking, talking about. We're ta- no, this is a S.H.I.E.L.D., the S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast. Okay. So Michael Not Checklist. Not Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. So they're all hanging out of the room together, the Fantastic Four. That's yeah. the episode of S.H.I.E.L.D. we're talking about, Definitely. Right? Yeah, it's un- underreported. Yeah, the they've Fantastic just got their powers, and they decide to hang out in the Baxter building for like half an hour. It's interminable. Uh, yeah. Too much hanging out. So... Uh, Carrie and Switch grabs Switch and escapes. Right. Um, we get a hint of the tunnel that we saw in the first episode. Yeah. They crawl through that. That's fun. Uh, they get to a phone booth, or they have a fun little phone call there as well, uh, where they give the code word, and they end up on the dirigible. Uh, so they're able to help everybody there and help save them. Yeah. Um, meanwhile, though, Sid is dealing with a different sort of time glitch, or at least she thinks it's a different sort of time glitch, in the form of her 14-year-old self ends up in her bedroom. Yeah. Uh, these scenes were great. So well done. Oh, my God. The Who has not thought about the idea of what kind of conversation would you have with your 14-year-old self? Have yeah. you? I, I'm mm. being totally serious. No, like, I know you're being serious. Um, I, I haven't... Th- I don't know what I would say. Yeah. Um... It's weird, and this is just, I think, the way that time works. I feel like I was the same person then that I am now, even though I ostensibly was yeah. not. What I loved about this conversation is whenever anybody runs the scenario, they say, if I could talk to my 14-year-old self, I'd tell them it gets better. But what Sid tells her 14-year-old self is it's about the same but different and sometimes worse. Well, and she, what she tries to do, it gets better. And then her 14-year-old self is like, wait, what do you mean? And she's like, yeah, you know, uh, <laughs> I fell in love, but I also got turned around, which is the metaphor that she's yeah. using, the very visceral. Well, the, uh, so that, uh, to talk about the time travel thing and the way that you view time in different ways, uh, we looked at that scene as a very traumatic scene for Sid, where yeah. she had sex with the boyfriend in the shower. But at least when I was watching it, I looked at it as it's traumatic because she is not old enough to deal with these emotions, with these feelings, with the fact that she's being her mom or anything or whatever this means. But as we find out this episode, it was worse than that. Like She tells the story of being turned around and she thought it was going to be something special. And instead her face was shoved into a glass door why do men want to do that yeah she was way she was aware of exactly what was happening which is what we didn't expect and it was just dealing with the uh shocking or the like the depressing side of sex uh, or sex for that couple anyway where he was sort of like i'm in charge and like doing that sort of thing and then older sid is like oh but you'll fall in love eventually and then she's like and then it happened again much more Super powered uh, style, but still the same thing of like, I was abused by this man that I. Yeah, it's awful. Like, it's a awful, perfectly written, perfectly acted scene that is so traumatic to watch, uh, but so well done and so honest. Like, in the middle of a show about time demons that look like blue cats, to have a conversation about sexual assault that is that honest and that real is kind of fantastic. And in such, like, to do it so concisely, it was just perfectly done. And then uh, we haven't even talked about this other scene. There's a whole run where Lenny and uh, the pregnant woman have the baby and raise this child, and the child uh, grows old and dies. 
also in this episode. A yeah. whole other sequence that touches on a whole other huge idea of life. Uh, life repeats itself, and like we're here to make more children that then have very similar lives to our. It's just like, and these things all like existing in the same episode, like comment on each other. It's just. It's such a meal of a show. Yeah. Uh, What I took away from that sequence, and I mean, this doesn't track exactly, but you are a parent as well as I am a parent. Correct. And the idea of watching your kids get older and then take that to the logical extreme of like, just like you, they're going to get old and die someday, which is a horrifying thought because you think about like, my kids are nine and about to turn five, right? And they're already so big, and I can't believe how big they get every day. But someday they're going to be 70 years old. Someday they're going to be 90 years old, you know, and on their deathbeds or whatever is going to happen. They're going to be like, let me listen to one more episode of <laughs> Inside Legion. I used to love my father's podcast. Isn't it funny, this is a total sidebar, to think that our kids, after we're dead, will be like, ah, I miss my dad. Guess I'll just listen to one of a fucking thousand episodes <laughs> of the podcast that idiot did <laughs> instead of hanging out with me. Yeah, I mean, we're leaving too much behind. <laughs> hey, these podcasts are by children. <laughs> wow. And they'll never age. It's true. We're timeless here. So, yeah, that's a devastating sequence. Uh, yeah, the And the way that Lenny reacts to it, all she wants to do after it's over is lie on the floor. She yeah, can't she's even shattered. move. She's completely shattered. Um, so there's that. There's a sin sequence, as you mentioned. So many things going on in this episode, uh, but so good. Like, this is, what are we, four episodes into the season yes, so far? Yes, it's crazy. And the, the, the big themes that they're dealing with just for human beings, uh, and then also letting these characters that are so complex just really dial into these different things, like Lenny, a character that's never really dealt with anything beyond what's right in front of her. Like, we don't even know if Lenny's real, technically, and yet now she is shattered by the idea that she can create a child or parent a child and have that child live and die, and that ruins her. That's super interesting. And that maybe means that Lenny's going to turn and uh, maybe go against David. It feels like... I I think she's already there, right? She's ready to leave as of this episode. Uh, But David feels like he is... Every time he passes Lenny, he touches her face. And it feels like he's controlling her somehow. So Uh, Pete and I talked about this a little bit on the last episode. I feel like she's not controllable. Like that, uh, that is my theory with Lenny at this point. Whatever happened to her body, however she was recreated... I think she is pretending to be changed in a mind wipe, but that's not happening. And maybe that's funny. Maybe that's why David keeps checking in with her, and he's like, are you, are you sure I'm controlling you? And yeah. she's clearly bullshitting him. That's what I think is happening. Just because of the way she pauses before she smiles when that happens, yeah. the fact that she is able to call him out and be like, yeah, we all want to fuck you. Uh, yeah, which is funny. Uh, th- there's definitely something going on with her, and it's going to be very interesting to see where she ends up in particular, because she is this character, she is this creation that's gone from nothing, not existing, to existing, and does she want to protect her existence? What does she stand for? What does she believe in? Uh, I think we're going to find out by the end of the season. Yeah. Before we go, before we wrap this up, this episode, what was real, what was not real? I'm st- still struggling with this. The cult to me seems not real. Okay. Uh, because it is, he sits in his little chamber 
where he hovers over the the his office basically, and the cult seems like it's in a very separate place. Like that could all be just a mental scape. Yeah. Um, but like this show across the board, we don't know uh, any side of what's real. I mean, this is a little bit of a cheat, but I'm going to say little Sid isn't real because we do find out she is a time demon. She's one of the blue cats. By yes, the end of the we episode. know for sure that little Sid is not real. Right. So uh, that certainly puts into question whether all that stuff she was saying and also that stuff she was thinking was real as well. Um, I would say so. But then the other question is, if that's a dime demon, is that stuff gone from Sid now? Because it was stolen that? by the time yeah. demon. Um, maybe because the way she's affected after the time demon, like we don't know. It seems like she's yeah. like losing something. I mean, I was pretty interested in watching the next episode anyway. I'm definitely real interested in watching that next episode. Yeah. Uh, if you'd like to support this podcast, patreon.com slash comic book club. I swear all the money goes to our kids. Also, you can check us out live every Tuesday night at 8 p.m. at the People's Improv Theater Loft in New York. Come on by. We'll chat with you about Legion. What do you want to plug? Uh, check us out on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Comic Book Live. Also, Inside Legion uh, at Inside Legion on Twitter. You can check us out at Comic Book Club at Live.com for this podcast and more. Also, uh, subscribe on iTunes, Android, Stitcher, or Spotify. And we'll see you next time Inside Legion. Beware, time demons. I'm out of time. <laughs>